everything is changing at mind-spinning pace. And several weeks ago, we looked at what has happened in world history and the change of the pace of change that has has happened. And so, in some ways, humanity's situation on the globe is getting better. Evil is also increasing. We are in full-on moral collapse worldwide. Uh, every, Jesus said at the end, every seed that Satan has sown into the world will also reach maturity and put off its seed. And that is definitely happening. The church has also changed greatly over what we were in the last 2,000 years. Do you know, I found out this week that there are 10,000, 10,000, 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week prayer locations in the world. That's nearly 50 for every country in the world. 10,000. When IHOP in Kansas City started theirs in 1984, there were less than 10. The times they are a changing. The church is not about business as usual. There are 10,000 specific locations in the world where God is worshipped 24-7. That's amazing. The number of people getting saved in India and China is in the hundreds of thousands a day. Indonesia is one of the largest countries in the world by population. It is an officially Muslim country. It is the, it's not true in the rest of the Muslim world, but Indonesia is actually losing Muslim population. Christianity is growing so fast. In Indonesia, Muslims are rejecting Islam and embracing Jesus at a pace that is changing the statistics of the country. Now we know from testimonies and stories that that's happening in Iraq and Syria because of ISIS and the tragedies that's happening there, but we don't know measurable numbers. It is measurable in Indonesia. That Satan is losing Indonesia and Jesus is winning. (laughs) Yeah, the times are changing. Great things are happening, good and bad. Big changes are on the horizon. So... We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. A couple of weeks ago at 5.30 in the morning, this bird decided to sit on the tree branch closest to our bedroom window and just sing his heart out. 5.30 in the morning, there's light appearing behind Mount Harris, and he sees it and he is announcing, the sun is coming up, another day is here. Wake up, Mitch and Sarah, the day is here, I see light, it's the sun. The sun is coming up again. Can you believe it? He was so happy. Just And it was just this little over and over and over and over again. This little over and over. And, and I wanted to be annoyed. I wanted to sleep another hour. But he was just so happy. And it was such a beautiful little bird song. And I love birds. I thank God for their songs and... They're so happy and colorful, and so I didn't go bang on the window or tell him to shut up. I just let him sing. I have no idea how long he had sung before I woke up. I did go back to sleep. I don't know if he was still going, but boy, he was happy that he saw that light in behind the mountain, and he just sang it over and over and over. He sang his song, but it was a little annoying. 
I hope I am not getting annoying to you, but I'm going to sing my song again this morning <laughs> that I see light on the horizon. <laughs> I see something. I see something coming, and I see the sun is about to rise. I also see great darkness, and it's on the horizon. And for those of you who are new enough around here, you haven't heard, I am not called to be a pastor. I am called to be a watchman. That is my specific call from the Lord, and I am to stand on the wall of the city and watch and let everybody know what I see. Blow the trumpet. Good and bad, something's coming. Here it is. Open the gates or man the wall, whatever. So I'm going to sing again. I see something coming, and uh, hopefully I'm not annoying you yet. <laughs> Let's start in Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 3, the disciples asked Jesus privately, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So just real brief encapsulated version of the Christian gospel. It is that God made the world perfect. He made us perfect. We, Adam and Eve, humanity, sinned, and we really, really screwed this place up. <laughs> and God condemns all sin, but he did not want to live without us. He could not live without us, so he promised from the very first day of the first sin, I will send a Savior who will redeem you back to me. And 4,000 years later, Jesus arrives. He sent his son who died in our place and his blood washes us clean. And he bought us back and he saved us from the consequences of our own sin and he purchased us for God. And then he left and went to heaven to build his kingdom and we are waiting for his return 2,000 years later. And the return of Jesus is what we've been talking about for two and a half months, three and a half months, uh, off and on. Through, through the time, and but it is one of the basic foundational tenets of Christianity is that Jesus will return in actual, literal, physical return and establish the kingdom of heaven on the earth. So the disciples are asking him about this. When is that going to happen? What is the signs? Now the disciples did a lot of stupid stuff, and they asked some dumb questions that Jesus either completely ignored or retorted to them in impatience and frustration. I guess Jesus wouldn't have been impatient. He was frustrated or angry at their shenanigans. But this question, he didn't get offended or upset at all that they asked. And in fact, in Matthew's account, he spends two chapters answering in great detail this question. So it's not wrong for Christians to ask this, to want to know, to seek in the scriptures and seek the Lord on this stuff. And they ask, when is this going to happen? What are the signs of your coming? And Jesus spends all of Matthew 24 and 25. In Luke's version, it's chapter 17 and 21. Jesus gives a lot of detailed, patient, specific instruction and information for us to watch for. Right? Okay, it's not a wrong question to ask. Jesus is very detailed in his answer. A few verses later, he says this to the disciples. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And that is a true doctrine of the church, of Christianity, that we don't know when Jesus is going to return. And it's true that he said to watch because it will come when you're not expecting it. 
We're going to look at some of these scriptures in just a minute. It's, it's a fact. It's true. Jesus said it. We're not going to know the day or the hour. Be ready at any moment. Because for you, your moment when you meet the Lord could come at any time. Right? Later on down the chapter, he says this, The day or the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and another left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house would have known what hour the thief had come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect." So here, three times in that passage, Jesus says, we will not know the day or the hour. So be ready, be watching all the time, be on guard. So it is true, it's a fact, it's correct that you've heard, we won't know. But Jesus also said, be watching and pay attention to events in the sky, in the earth, in politics, in government, in war, in society, and know the season when it's going to happen. He says, when you see all these things that the whole chapter is about, know that it is near, at the doors. So, it is correct that we will not know the day or the hour, but Jesus instructed us to pay attention. He commanded us to watch, think, pray, pay attention, and you will know when it's close. Hello? Matthew 16, he says this, When it's evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, you say, It will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. In Luke 12, he says something similar. Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, A shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, There will be hot weather. And there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how do you not discern this time? So as often as Jesus said we won't know the day or the hour, he commanded us to pay attention and know the season. So, as you've heard me say before, it's true that he said we wouldn't know the day or the hour, but it's not true that we're totally helpless and clueless. He gave us a lot of stuff he said would happen, in the time leading up to his return and then immediately before his return and at his return and so on, it is not true that it could happen this afternoon because a lot of the stuff that he said would have to happen hasn't happened yet. Okay? So there have been fools throughout history who have arrogantly tried to calculate this date of the end of the world. Right? Even, I think it was two years ago, there was that Christian pastor that calculated the day and he ruined a lot of people's lives. There was a mother that killed her children and then herself. There was numerous people that sold their house and quit their job and all their property. And they stood and waited on Jesus to return. And it didn't happen. And they should have known, Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. 
But it's not the first time that that's happened. And the Jehovah's Witnesses were birthed out of a guy that did that. And the Seventh-day Adventists were birthed out of a guy that did that in the 1800s. And the Hale-Bopp Comet cult group that killed themselves and the Jim Jones crowd. And there's a lot of people that have fallen for stupid stuff. When somebody is so arrogant, they think they can read all the numbers in Daniel and and Revelation and all this stuff and figure out exactly when it's going to happen. And It's satanic. It's always from hell, and you can see it by the fruit of the stuff that happens. But Jesus did say, pay attention and know what's going on around you and be ready. Be watching, paying attention. We will know the season when it's going to happen. The bride will sense that her beloved is close. And we do. We do. It's true that the church has always looked for the return of Jesus. And in every generation, whenever there's political calamity, the church says, oh, it's the end of the world. Well, the end of our particular time or our nation or whatever is not the end of the world. But it's, Mike Bickle points out that it's never been as universal across cultures and languages and locations in the church where there's such a strong expectation that this really is it. We're close. This is, the deliverer is coming. So the disciples asked, when will these things be? And Jesus said, you won't know the day or the hour, but you can pay attention and watch the signs and you can know when it's close. So let's look at what the scripture says about the timing of Jesus' return for us. In 2 Peter 3, the very last chapter of anything Peter wrote in his life, this is the most important thing he wants to leave with us. He says, Beloved, I write this last letter to remind you of the words which were spoken before by the prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own desires, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens and the earth were created, and God destroyed the earth as it was with the flood. But the heavens and the earth are now reserved for fire until the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some count slowness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So in the first part of this passage, Peter says, the last thing I want to tell you is you need to know there will be people all along who don't believe, who mock us for believing that Jesus is coming back, saying, oh yeah, okay, you've been waiting 2,000 years and your Lord and Savior isn't back yet. You guys are believing fairy tales. Life has gone on as it has always gone on, and it always will. And back in January, I showed you that is so completely not true. Our lives are so very different from all of Earth's human history. Something changed 150 or 200 years ago. 
You know, back up and look at the whole timeline of Earth, and you can see in the church, in technology, in medicine, in war, in politics, in government, in in music, in all areas of humanity, something very drastic changed. So it's not true that all things have continued on as they have from the beginning. But Peter says these people will mock us for believing that Jesus is actually going to return. Life's just going to go on like it always has. You're believing a bunch of religious myths. And Peter says they they willfully choose to ignore the fact that the earth is not as it was when God created it. He destroyed part of it with a flood. And they choose to not believe that he's coming back in fire to do it again. But he says, listen up here, don't forget that God's time is not our time. A thousand years is as a day, a day is as a thousand years. And if God takes a long time, it's because he doesn't want anybody to die. And his fire, he wants everyone to have the chance to be saved. God doesn't want to destroy anyone. There will be billions that will be destroyed. But he doesn't want a single soul to be destroyed. He will give them every chance to stop rejecting him and to choose him. He is very, very good. And if it takes him a long time to come back for the end of the world, for the destruction of the wicked and all that, because he takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked and he is waiting, please, please turn to me. I'm waiting another day again for you to come to me. So, Peter says, if it takes a while, and it's really funny that 30 years after Jesus left, they thought it had been a long time. So Peter doesn't, Peter doesn't have a clue that he's writing to us, 2015. But he says, if it takes a long time, it's because God is, is merciful. But he is coming. And don't choose to not believe it and don't choose to ignore his word and what he has said. But in this statement, he says... With God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So, let's think about that. Peter says, it's God's word, Peter's writing it, but God says, to me, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. Well, 20 times in Scripture, God says this, Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Twenty times God says he works six days and then rested on the seventh, and he tells us, you work six days, and the seventh day will be rest. A day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day. Revelation 20 speaks of a thousand-year period coming up at Jesus' return. Here's what it says. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years and shut him up until the thousand years were finished. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. 
Three times in Revelation 20, it mentions this thousand-year period. We usually call it the millennium, although that word isn't in the church, isn't in the Bible. Millennium means a thousand years. The Bible, Revelation 20 speaks of a thousand-year period when Jesus will reign on the earth. It is the last thousand years of earth's history before eternity begins. God's judgment is actually not till after the millennium. And then hell is locked. Heaven comes down to earth and eternity begins. You read that in Revelation 21 and 22 several weeks ago. There is this thousand-year period at the very end of earth's history where Jesus actually reigns on earth as king for a thousand years. It is the last thousand years of earth as we know it before eternity begins. Six days you shall work. The seventh day is mine. A day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day. Are you with me? This is the last, this thousand years is the last day of earth's history. Guess how many years, according to the Bible, guess how many years old the earth is? 10 to 15 years from now. It is 6,000 years since Adam and Eve. Six days. Some of you get it. God says, for me, a thousand years is as a day. A day is as a thousand years. He says, I work six days and I rest on the seventh day. You will work six days and rest on the seventh day. The earth will live under the burden of sin and war and death and poverty and disease and destruction for six days. And on the seventh day is my day. The seventh day, I rule. The seventh day is holy. It is the earth's Sabbath. For there will be peace on earth in reality. I wonder if that matters. <laughs> that we are exactly six days from Adam and Eve right now. I wonder if that's significant. I wonder if numbers and patterns matter to God. I wonder. I made a timeline for you that shows that. It was a thousand years. According to Bible numbers, it's a thousand years from Adam and Eve to Noah. It is roughly a thousand years from Noah to Abraham. It is a thousand years from Abraham to David. It is exactly a thousand years from, Ab from David to Jesus. Four days. It is two days since Jesus to us. Our own calendar is based on his birth, right? You know, just 180 is the year that the, the monks in the Middle Ages calculated. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us the year Jesus was born because they didn't have years on their calendar. It says that Augustus was Caesar and Quirinius was governor and Herod was king. So what we have to do is we have to look based on our number calendars. We look at the Roman records of those guys. When were they? And there's a six-year window when those three were on their particular thrones. There's a six-year window when Jesus was born, between 4 B.C. and 2 A.D. So, and the most accurate, probable one is that it's 4 B.C., so it's probably actually 2019. 
right now. Not that that matters at all. But it's probably 2019 years since Jesus was born. Two days by God's calendar. For a total of six days I work. The seventh day is my day. The seventh day is holy. The seventh day is rest. A thousand years is as a day. A day is as a thousand years. So we have 6,000 years from Adam and Eve to us. That's six days. Then we have a thousand years where Jesus actually reigns on the earth and restores creation. And there's peace on earth and there's holiness and there's rest and there's no sin. That's holiness. That's rest. That is the seventh day. That is the earth's Sabbath. That is humanity's Sabbath. And we are right on the line between the sixth and the seventh day right now. So because we don't know exactly when Jesus was born, we can't know ex- we know that he lived 33 years and he was crucified, but we don't know exactly what year the crucifixion and the resurrection and Pentecost was, but we know that Jesus was 33. So it is somewhere around 1,986 years of the new covenant. Somewhere between 10 and 20 years from now, we will reach 2,000 years since Jesus ascended to heaven Remember what I said, it is satanic to calculate days and hours, but we can know the season. I haven't gone back on what I just said. I haven't gone crazy on you. I'm not going to pull a date out here on you. If you're waiting for that, I'm not going to pull a date out on you, okay? But look at this. For Matthew 17, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. This is a few days before the crucifixion. Peter, James, and John go up on a mountain with Jesus, and he is glorified in the Spirit. They see him as John will see him in John or Revelation chapter 1, as the glorified King of Kings, the risen Lamb, he appears as that in front of them before his death and resurrection. Moses and Elijah are there, and there's this really weird spiritual experience that's actually hard to understand, but what they are seeing is they are seeing Jesus as he will be after his resurrection. After six days, Jesus was glorified. After six days, Jesus took his disciples up privately and they saw him as he is. A few of you get it. After six days. Well, so I was like, okay, that's too wild. So what happened in Matthew 16? What's it six days after? Nothing happened. There is no event in Matthew 16. It's just Jesus teaching. And it doesn't say six days after something. It just says after six days. A day is as a thousand years. I went back to Matthew 15. Well, he's feeding the 4,000 in Matthew 15. So it's probably six days after that. I, I don't know. But that's not what it says. It says it's just this random statement. After six days. Jesus took his disciples up on the mountain privately by themselves, just them and him. And they see him as he is after six days. 
Check this out. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, The Old Testament stories became our examples. All these things happened to them as examples for us, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the end of the ages has come. Everything in the Old Testament is a type or a metaphor or a, a picture of Jesus and us. So any Old Testament story, we, see, we can see Jesus. We can see salvation. We can see God's redemptive plan. Even down to the red thread that Rahab hangs out her window on the walls of Jericho, there's this prostitute that gets saved because the blood of Jesus is on her house. The blood of Jesus, the blood of the lamb over the house on Passover night. It's, it's everything in the Old Testament is a picture of Jesus. An example for us. The New Testament says the Old Testament is an example, a picture of what is coming at the end of the age. Hello. So let's look at Exodus 19. The Israelites, the descendants of Jacob, have been in Egypt as slaves for 430 years. God sends a redeemer, Moses. He's a picture of Jesus. He comes into Egypt, which is the picture of the world. He confronts Pharaoh, who's a picture of the devil. And he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh slash Satan fights him. And there's all these plagues. And then the redeemer, Moses, brings them out of Egypt on the night of the Passover. There's the sacrificed lamb that purchases them out of Egypt. And they go through the Red Sea, which is baptism. They're all baptized in the Red Sea. They come up on the other side, and a couple of months later they arrive at Mount Sinai where God is going to finally come and meet his people. And we know the story that they all ran away in fear, and they sinned in rebellion, and made God angry, and they rejected him, and there's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But right now God is really excited. I am finally going to get to meet my people, and you're going to get to see me. And we know it ends in tragedy because they reject him, but Right now, God is like, this is it. This is it. We're here. We're together, finally. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And they're at the mountain after they've come through the Red Sea, and the Lord tells Moses this, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down about Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people, and sanctified, or it means to make them holy by washing, clean. And he washed clean the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Paul says, the Old Testament stories are examples for us when we come to the end of the age. God says, I give you two days to get clean. Be ready for the third day. I just brought you out of Egypt. I have baptized you. In the Red Sea, I give you today and tomorrow, two days. A day is as a thousand years. I give you two days to get, it, get cleaned up. On the third day, I'm coming. God says, on the third day, I'm coming down. Hello! <laughs> Moses, who is a picture of Jesus, has just brought them out of 400 years. I'm sure four is not an accident. Four and two, six. On the seventh day, which is the third day, I'm coming down. The third day just happens to be the seventh. Anyway, I've just brought you out of 400 years of slavery. I've brought you out of the earth, out of the world. I have baptized you. I give you two days to get yourselves ready to meet me. And I'm coming on the third day. A day is as a thousand years. 
I give you 2,000 years. Be ready on the third day. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Moses, a picture of Jesus, on the third day brings the people to meet God. <laughs> Hello, could it get any clearer? <laughs> when on the third day? In the morning. Early on the third day. In the morning. We don't know the day or the hour. We know it's early on the third day. Moses, who is Jesus, a picture of Jesus, brings the people to the mountain to meet God. And what is there? A trumpet. Ooh. Where have we heard of that before? There's earthquakes. There's smoke and thunder and rumblings. Everything that happens right there happens in Revelation at the return of Jesus. Early in the morning on the third day. Everything in the Old Testament is a, an example for our instruction. God says, I give you two days. A day is as a thousand years. I give you two days to make yourself ready, to wash your own selves. Be ready for the third day. Luke 24. It was the first day of the week, very early in the morning. They and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they brought the stone rolled, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two angels stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Jesus shows back up on the third day. He's been gone for two days. They didn't know where he was. On the third day, he shows back up. When on the third day? Very early. Matthew says before the sun rose. Very early on the third day. There it is. The angel said, hey, on the third day, he will rise again. Even Jesus' burial and his resurrection are a prophetic metaphor of what we're in right now. We're, have, we're in a time period of earth history where we're having to live by faith as the disciples did while he was buried. Very early on the third day, he shows back up. He appears to them in his glory. Very early. On the third day. How early? He, no, no, he tells us. How early? In Matthew 25. This is Jesus speaking a parable. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. 
And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. He answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Let's just remind ourselves of that. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. The parable's point is, be ready, be prepared at any moment. But Jesus said right there, what time of day? At midnight. The cry went out. The bridegroom is coming. What is midnight? It is the exact moment between one day and another. Midnight is 10 to 20 years from now. We will be exactly 2,000 years from his resurrection and Pentecost. Now, he didn't say that's when the bridegroom showed up. He said the cry went out. We see him coming. That's what I'm doing right now. I see him. He's coming. I see light on the horizon. I see all the puzzle pieces falling into place. I see events happening that he said would happen. We feel it in the spirit that it's close, that our beloved draws near. But he said at midnight, the cry went up. So in no way Am I predicting anything going to happen 10 to 20 years from now? That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying midnight is 10 to 20 years from now. It will be exactly 2,000 years. Somewhere in that window will be 2,000 years exactly from the crucifixion, resurrection, and Pentecost. Jesus said, watch, because you don't know when I am returning. But he did say, you will know. Because the cry will go out. He's on his way. It's soon. In Mark 13, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work, and he commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest, coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Jesus' command is, I gave you a job to do. When I return, I want to find you doing it. And while you are doing whatever job I have assigned you to do, watch for me, pray, read my word, think about me, watch the things that I said would happen at my return, and you will know that I'm close. But you will not know when it is going to happen. Be ready at any moment. 
Amen? All through church history, including in the 70s, there's been times when the church was like, Jesus is coming three days from now. And people got this attitude of, well, life isn't worth living. There is no future. Let's quit our jobs and sell our houses and just stare at the sun. Jesus says, when I come back, I want to find you working. We don't quit our lives and bet on a day. <laughs> that is not at all anything that he said. He said, I have an assignment for you to do, and you do it till the last moment. You love your neighbor. You work in wherever you're working. You do whatever I've called you to do. You raise your family. You live life. And you don't calculate the day because you won't know. Not even I know. The Father will send me back at the appropriate moment. But he did say, watch and be prepared, and you will know when the sky is red, you know what weather is coming. So when these things happen that I've told you about, you'll know it's close. Well, we're very near midnight, and the door watcher is saying, the bridegroom is coming. Are you ready? I'm telling you, I can hear the thunder of the horse just over the mountain. I can see the light just behind the mountain. It is so close. I'm not talking a time period. It could be 200 years from now. I don't know. But it is close. And for you, it's closer than we know. Are you ready? That's my call this morning. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. We would love for you to make him your Lord and Savior personally. That you would know him, that you would be ready to meet him. That your salvation would be assured. Prayer team will be right here right now. We would love to pray with you. You can pray with the person you came with, your family.